Raising Tech is your guide to understanding the role technology plays in your senior living business strategy and day-to-day operations. Tune in for tech trends, hot topics, and meet the people behind the tech landscape in senior living to gain practical technology knowledge that you can apply in your community today. Welcome to Raising Tech, a podcast about all things technology and senior living. I'm your host, Amber Barden, and today I'm joined by two guests from Pi Architects, Greg Hunteman and Sam Swinbank. Greg and Sam, we've had a lot of conversations about our topic today, which is technology innovation and new construction. And I feel like each time we get on a call, we could just keep discussing this topic for hours. It's really interesting, and there's so much opportunity in this market right now. But before we get started, could you go ahead and introduce yourselves to our audience and tell us a little bit about yourself and about Pi? Yeah, thank you, Amber. It's great to be here. Really appreciate the opportunity. I'm Greg Huntsman. I'm president of Pi Architects. Our company focuses on all types of senior living, uh, active adult, all the way down to uh, hospice and uh, nursing. So a little bit of everything. Uh, CCRC's repositioning renovations. Uh, we've really been blessed to have a variety of clients that have actually allowed us to kind of add services. So we do the architecture, the interiors, the landscape, the planning. And, and recently in the past couple of years, I've added low voltage to improve the services that we provide. Good to talk with you, Amber. I'm Sam Swinbank, Director of Engineering at Pi Architects. I'm licensed as a professional engineer to practice electrical and low voltage engineering. Thanks for that introduction and that background about Pi. To start with, let's talk about some numbers in terms of how much growth and new business is being developed right now with new construction. Can you give us some context about the opportunities that are out there? Yeah, it's really picked up. It was a little slow through COVID. Um, you know, the banks were a little slower, but really in a weird way, the IT kind of did not really pause. The desire to connect with people remotely really amp up the marketability, uh, whether they're trying to continue to fill up or maintain occupancy in existing building or the blue sky side of it. So really, you know, amping that up as it's harder for families to get into the communities on the marketing side. So in a weird way, the IT didn't quite take the hit that I would say the new construction and significant repositionings have taken it. So really in the past, say, two, three months, we've really seen a lot of positive movement on the new projects. They've kicked off numerous projects in, in, in several states um, where we're, we're starting to really think through how we're doing because the cost of construction have, has grown so much in the cost of land and staff and everything that really we're having to really, you know, start thinking even deeper about, you know, what we're doing, how we're, we're providing the services to the residents, the construction costs, how do we, how do try to mitigate that a little bit but in a weird way it's kind of the new norm so i think people are starting to realize hey you know things aren't going to go down a whole lot you know inflation is obviously kind of here um so what can we do to you know provide the greatest success in the new communities that we're doing and control the costs um both in the operations and the staffing and the new development and construction so it sounds like what we're what you're saying is we're really seeing an explosion of need in housing services in the marketplace today. And what people are looking for now is very different than in the last 20 years or so. Greg and Sam, what are you seeing as the top needs in new buildings that's different than in the past? Really, it's the social integration. Um, people are realizing through COVID that the a wellness of the residents um, is critical and being isolated and not integrated. And really, that's what I think brings most of the residents to the communities and out of their houses. They really need that, uh, the socialization, the integration with other folks. Um, you know, numerous studies are starting to show that 
um, the the lifestyle, the social engagement that people have is just as critical as the genetics. And that's something you know relatively new, I'd say, from that standpoint. And, and really, it improves the um, really their satisfaction. Um, it improves them, you know, inviting their fam- families and friends into the communities. So um, I think that's super critical in how we're doing it. And that engagement can be done in so many different ways. It can be done in um, uh, the kind of video engagement that we do with signage. It can be done as applications. We're doing a lot more working with apps and how they integrate with residents. So, you know, the biggest challenge is more of a an active adult um, independent living community that is low staffing, but they want to feel like they have a higher touch. But then the privacy aspects of being in their in their unit. So it just it continues to evolve. Um, you know, the residents are just wanting a lot more than they used to. It's a lot more expectations. So we're seeing a lot of innovation, a lot of new systems, a lot more focus on the resident experience, especially when it comes to technology. However, there still are core systems that are expected and need to be installed and maintained as part of these projects. Things like emergency response, door access, et cetera. And from my experience, it feels like there's not been a lot of innovation in those areas and in those types of systems. And that can feel really frustrating. For example, you're building this beautiful new building and then you're putting a nurse call wall unit that looks like it's from 1970. It's plastic. It's yellow. You know, the pendants are still, you know, just unappealing. What 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 are your thoughts on why hasn't this technology evolved more to look like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or why hasn't the design of that technology kept pace with innovation in other areas? So I think the biggest challenge is we've seen lots of devices kind of come through the system um, where they're really cool. They look really interesting. But I think the problem is that the devices improve so quickly, whereas the technology and the integration of that technology you know, that evolves so quickly as well. So right now, I think we're going to get to the point where I think they're just going to start using the Apple Watches. They're going to start using the different devices that we're using in everyday life and try to do more interconnectivity with it. Um, We're involved with Ziegler's Linkage Group, which is kind of interesting. They're doing a lot more of kind of investing in the different companies that they see are going to provide those future devices, the future um, um, just technologies, whether it be software or hardware, to folks. And it's been fun to be a part of that, to see it very uh, early in its advancement. You know, K4 was one of the big ones that they kind of were able to look at, uh, Care Merge as well. Um, so it's been fun to be a part of that. And then through that, they've also brought in a lot of, um, you know, futurists, I guess you could say, that are really anticipating where we're going So the challenge is going to be creating just a very good backbone in the community. Sam has got some great things that he's done with residents so that he can develop this backbone that's not just for today's technology and interfaces, but, you know, what can we do that is going to give them that, you know, 10-year longevity? We know at some point it's going to have to be improved, but how do we do that? Sam, from your engineering perspective, what do you see are the biggest areas of opportunity when it comes to innovation in technology and new construction? One of the big new opportunities is that technology has finally evolved to the point to where it can increase resident wellness and resident satisfaction without requiring more touch from staff. Software platforms that that we discuss on our regular calls like K4 Connect and Care Merge and Casper are using artificial intelligence and knitting together Internet of Things devices like relatively new smart switches that have integral motion sensing, for instance, to create reporting on whether a resident is moving about an apartment normally, 
and whether they've fallen. If a resident and a family opt in, an adult child at their own home can discreetly check in with the software platform to see how their parents doing, including how they slept last night, all without additional staffing. To me, that feels like a significant new opportunity. Yeah, and the, the good thing I think about that is that they're not waking the resident in the evenings when they check on them. So I think there's a, there's other upsides to this that maybe aren't completely understood or intended that they found. Do you think that the market is in a place now where potential future residents are actually actively looking for this type of technology to be in place when they're selecting where they're going to move into? Or how are you seeing those trends in the marketplace? And then that's the the interesting thing that, you know, we have some clients that look at providing it for everybody and it's just kind of in the base costs. We have other clients that are looking at it more of a value add. They kind of separate the costs out for the people that maybe, you know, see the the opportunities there, or maybe they don't think they need it initially, but then they start seeing their friends use it, um, especially as there's more risk of fall and stuff like that. So I think that as we have the evolution, as more communities are providing this, um, that there's going to be more of a, of a, I guess, requirements, not maybe the right word, but a, a request and an integration of it. Ironically, it helps staffing. It helps so many other ways um, that they're they're running the communities to be efficient. Um, so I, th- I think it's going to be here to stay. And you know, there's a whole robot thing, which is a whole nother integration here, which we're going to see, you know, how do you do the, the charging points for a, the robots? How do they get, you know, how do they navigate the communities? I mean, they have cleaning robots now. Um, I, I think, you know, there's going to be a time when everybody has a robot friend. I know it sounds silly, but it's, it'll be fun to watch and see what happens. It's really interesting, exciting to think that in the future, not too far off, that people may be basing their decision on where they're going to move into based on these uh, technology uh, features that are available in the communities. It's um, pretty exciting that that's, that's uh, going to be our new reality. Talking about all these new and innovating ideas is really exciting, but let's just take a step back for a moment and talk about what are some of the basic considerations you need to have when it comes to including technology in your design. Our company, Parasol Alliance, has done multiple projects where we've worked very closely with our clients on new construction or renovation. And we've actually come up with a checklist to walk them through uh, multiple decision points and areas to think about when we're brought into a new project. One thing that we often see is just a lack of a comprehensive attack plan on who is managing what part of the project in relation to technology, um, you know, especially around things like low voltage, network design, and business requirements. And we've added this step of gathering client requirements up ahead of time so that we're all working off of the same page. There's no assumptions made, um, or if there are assumptions that we're testing those or we're finding anything that's been missed. Based on our past project experiences and some lessons learned, um, some of the things that we like our clients to think about ahead of time uh, are things like security decisions. So this wouldn't, you know, these are things that we want people to think about before we even get to, you know, the actual type of system we're going to use or the concept of the number of cameras. Uh, for example, do you want to have cameras in the buildings or just on external doors? Do you want to have them in staff areas and resident areas? Uh, that those types of answers to those questions is going to all feed into the overall technology design. Wi-Fi is another area that we see a lot of assumptions made um, that may not line up with the client expectations. So all of the technology we're talking about today really relies on having a really robust wall-to-wall Wi-Fi coverage. But often that step in the design can get missed or be an afterthought. Or again, maybe there's some assumptions made without actually having a real heat map design that will provide and guarantee that wall-to-wall coverage. Another example is 
thinking of things like, do you want to have smart homes like Sam was talking about with the smart switches? And if you do, you can bring in a company like K4 to help with the actual electrical design up front to make sure that the design is optimized for those types of systems. Another thing to think about is if you have existing buildings, are you planning to extend those systems or is this an opportunity to possibly select new systems and then retrofit those back into your other buildings? Greg and Sam, where do you see technology playing the most valuable role in these types of projects? And what do you think is the optimal timeframe for technology to be involved in projects? Yeah, we really want to start from day one. I mean, when we start planning and programming the building, we really want to think through everything. We want to figure out how we have the the connectivity, not just of the building spaces, uh, but of the technology and how it flows through a building when you come in. How do you feel? How are you connected to it? Are you seeing the digital signs like we talked to? Does the staff have what they need in order to greet you and understand you? Are there there ways that they know who's going to come to the community if it's a new prospective resident and and they know, hey, Ms. Green, great to see you. Excited that you're you know touring our community. I think you'll really enjoy such and such because there's a prep and they know that Ms. Green loves gardening um, so they can work through that. So, you know, there's the the different ways that can integrate that. But then as they work into the community, you know, you can sell the, the smart home technology. You can sell the socialization, the clubs and the way to connect everything. So it sounds like your advice is to get technology involved as soon as possible, which I agree with. As we all know, to go back and try to add technology after the fact is always going to be more expensive. So this that the design phase or the initial phase is really the great, uh, the best time to get technology involved. Sam, what would you say that communities should know or consider when it comes to technology before starting their planning? These days with increased uh, adoption of technology, it's important to think about what we informally call the backbone, the data backbone of a building. How is data going to move around from computer room to computer room to wireless access points and through a robust Wi-Fi network to get to the resident? It's important to think in the early stages of planning how you're going to accommodate a wide data backbone for these buildings with increased technology. And then when you're looking at that, you know, how, you know, you have the interconnectivity, everybody thinks of the inside of the building, but how are we going to do the connectivity on the outside of the building? How are we going to allow the residents to enjoy the exterior spaces, right? It used to be that we'd be stuck in our, our room with our computer connected to the wall. Now we can take our device anywhere. We can go be in the pub and, you know, enjoying a drink with, with friends, or we can sit on our favorite veranda for a little bit more of quiet space. Um, so I think that's important. There's other ways that people are looking at um, kind of monitoring residents so that they're not stuck at the door, but maybe there's a little bit more of a mesh where they can actually go outside and enjoy the front of a building or some other areas a little bit more to provide a little bit more of, you know, that, you know, the preferences. Let's not try to control people so much. Um, So what can we do to, to give them greater flexibility? Greg and Sam, let's tie this all together. Walk me through how you envision this technology experience to be in a new building. Let's say we have no limit on our budget. We've got all the options that's built into the building. What would this experience actually be like for a resident? Well, I guess you kind of want it to be as personalized as possible, right? So from the moment a resident, a prospective resident walks in the door, we talked about how they can be engaged. But from the resident perspective, as they wake up, what kind of music do they like to listen to? How do they like to be greeted? 
you know, how do they let the staff know that they are there? Is the technology just, you know, letting them know, hey, they got up, you know, you know, how well did they sleep? You know, you have the wellness devices that are kicking in to say, hey, Miss Green's doing great today. Or I sense there's something off in, in her her balance. Maybe we need to give her X, this type of food or or whatever. So how do we how do we get all of the different services that we already provide and really amplify and improve the integration to the resident lifestyle? Then once they they leave, you know, how is Alexa reminding them of the different activities that are today? Or, you know, how do they, you know, integrate in a way that they're they're friends, they're not just a device that's, you know, kind of stagnant, you know, is it where, you know, the TV is actually displaying it as well? How does the TV system integrate, um, you know, with the, the overall, um, you know, I guess lifestyle integration might be a way of putting it. Well, how do they, they do that once they get to the hallway, you know, what kind of artwork are they seeing? Is the artwork actually changing? Is there a gallery they can go to when they, they go to the cafe and, and have, uh, um, breakfast with their friends, you know, what kind of music's playing, you know, what are they seeing, you know, on the, on the TVs and the walls, you know, is there different rooms that actually play towards different, you know, types of, you know, experiences people want, you know, does people want more of a pub environment, a cafe environment, you know, we're doing a lot more conservatories where it's an outdoor environment that's actually inside and controlled, you know, how do they do that and then still have access to, their devices. And then, you know, through the day, you know, do they integrate the, the lighting that um, actually changes the temperature where that actually helps with their sleep pattern? So that's been proven to very well in, in memory care communities. It can be a little expensive, but the newer technologies are getting um, better at how they do that. And so now your body's just going through the natural cycle a little bit better if they're not able to go outside and get that 20 minutes of sun, which really helps kind of, you know, work with their biological clock. So how do you do that so that there's a more seamless, you know, comfortable, um, um, you know, day, day cycle, I guess you could say, but then not the, the sameness of everything. How do we do it? So it's actually bro broken up because I think what we, what we find in these communities is that they're just, nobody wants to go to the same place every day. I know in a house to a certain extent you do, but when you go outside of your house, you want a variety of options. And, you know, it sounds silly, but you may actually want to go to the same place every day, but you want to know that you could have gone to a different place, if that makes any sense. Um, and then obviously with the seasons, how do you integrate that? So I think just kind of a seamless um, uh, cycle where it, it feels a little bit more catered but then in a weird way, not too perfect. That's where they were, that's where the matrix went wrong, right? So that's what you're trying to figure out is, you know, how do you get that balance? And each person is going to be different. I mean, then that's what's going to make it so challenging. Sam, what are your thoughts? Baby boomers, the silver tsunami, they're heading our way towards senior living and they're largely not in the product yet. And baby boomers are largely adopting technology. They they have a smartphone and Many baby boomers have at least one wearable, whether it's a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or even an Aura ring. And so baby boomers are accustomed to technology and they're, they're going to expect it uh, in this next senior living environment, uh, hopefully in a way that mimics their, their nice homes, where they're coming from. But inside an apartment, smart home devices like an Amazon Alexa paired with a smart thermostat, smart light bulbs, and even smart blinds will give this future resident more control of their home independently. That all sounds really exciting. This has been a really fascinating discussion. This is personally one of my favorite topics. Is there anything else you would like our listeners to know or you think they should know? Well, I think the biggest opportunity we have in senior living is how we integrate wellness. I know it's kind of weird to maybe bring that directly into 
the technology side. But I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, people are wanting to move into our communities because they're going to live longer and better. And so how do we do that? How do we prove that out? Um, and so this really has an opportunity to directly connect them on the social side. It lets the staff, the staff, you know, bring things to them. Um, there's really fun ways where you can do um, different activities and compete kind of virtual, um, you know, competitions that you have where it's, you know, you know, challenging people on, you know, health, um, mind challenges. There's so many different things you can do. So I think as we as we start these projects and we talk about the building programming, we talk about the IT programming, we also want to talk about the branding, how they integrate wellness, how they market it, how we really integrate it. Because with all these things, if we don't have a champion that's encouraging it and integrating it into the community, then it's not going to get used. So we want to maximize um, the opportunity and the use, the usefulness of what we provide there. So it's done in a way that makes sense. We have the people in the communities that are really promoting it. We have the people that understand it. So training is really big. Um, and sometimes training might just be the ways to use it the most efficiently. You know, how can they use it to make it easier and better so that if we can give the staff um, more comfort in what they're doing and then also give them more time to spend with the residents, it's kind of a win-win because the staff here, they're really doing it because they love the residents and they love what they're doing it primar- doing primarily. Um, because there's a lot of choices they have. Sam, any additional thoughts you want to add before we wrap up today? Our advice, having seen this many times, would be to plan for a robust data backbone. You can, in a way, future-proof your building by allowing large amounts of data to move throughout. Our other uh, key point of advice would be to bring your IT and low-voltage teams into projects as early as possible and let your architects know if we can help. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you, Greg and Sam, for being on the podcast today. Really enjoyed our conversation. And be sure to tune in next month for new topics. Thanks for listening to Raising Tech, where we help senior living communities unlock the power of transformational technology. This podcast is powered by Parasol Alliance.